Good morning once again. Welcome to Journey Church. I'm Thomas. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so glad that you are with us this morning. If you are new with us, we would love to celebrate that by donating $5 to a charity of your choice, and all we ask is that you would fill out a connection card. You can fill out a physical one on the back table and drop it off in the offering basket, or you can go to jointhejourney.church under I'm New, and there's one right there at the top of the page. Just fill that out. And uh, you'll get an email from me. Just respond to that. Let us know which charity you would like us to donate to. We would love to celebrate you being with us. And we also would love to connect with you as well. So please take a minute and fill out that connection card. Guys, we are going to be taking up a love offering for a family member of Journey Church who is in need. And so if you would like to participate in that and give to that, please do so by either giving uh, in the offering basket and put on uh, your check or in the envelope love offering or by giving online at jointhejourney.church and just make sure you put a comment uh, or a memo there that says love offering so we know where that is designated to. We appreciate you helping in that. All right, guys, let's dive in to James one more time, okay? Have you ever wondered what it would be like for somebody who had never heard music before to see a guitar or piano or some other instrument being made? What, what would it be like for them, right? They would have no context for what this thing is that's being made, right? They they may look at it and say, what is this? It's a waste of time, right? Because they have no idea because they've never heard music before. It might be like a child who sees their parents starting to redo the guest room, starting to put new furniture in there, and, and then wondering why there's these new decorations and these new things that are going on, not knowing that uh, they are going to be a big brother or a big sister soon. But then when their sibling comes, all is made clear. James is going to close out his letter here today with the idea of prayer. And to some in James's day and to many in our day, the idea of prayer It's something that is so foreign to so many people. We live in a day and time where people uh, only know what they can see and touch, and prayer uh, looks like to many people at best an odd superstition. What are those crazy Christians doing talking to themselves? Do they think they can make a difference in the situation or this thing that is going on? But what we learn from Scripture And what we see through the God of the Bible and we see through Jesus is that prayer changes everything. Now this summer, we have been studying through the book of James. And James has been teaching us how we can put our faith into action. We saw that we can have joy even in the face of suffering. We, we saw that we uh, can be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. We, we saw that if we want to put our faith into action, we need to not show favoritism. We need to tame our tongue. We need to follow God's wisdom and not man's wisdom. We need to put our trust in God and his word, not in things that won't last like our money and stuff. Uh, We saw that we need to be patient, even in the face of suffering last week. And then today, the climax of James's letter, we're going to see how we can put our faith into action through prayer. So if you have your Bibles, if you would open up with me to the book of James. 
you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We would love to give you one. Please pick one up as a gift from us. James is almost at the end of the Bible, if you're looking for it. Um, comes right after the book of Hebrews and uh, right before the book of uh, 1 Peter. And we're going to be in chapter 5, and we're going to start there in verse 13. And we're going to finish out uh, James today. But James chapter 5, verse 13. We have it up on the screen as well. James says this. says, Any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Let's pause right here, because there's a lot to unpack in just these few words. James says, what's going on in your life? What are you facing? What are you going through? What are you suffering through? What is joyous in your life? He says, no matter what, no matter what is going on in your life, you need to be praying. Are you suffering? Pray. Are you in trouble? pray. Oh, everything is going great? Well then, praise God that everything is going great. No matter what is going on in your life, we need to go to God in prayer. You know, so often we come to God in prayer as a last resort, right? We've seen this uh, in our culture, right? When traumatic things happen, whether it was 9-11 or whether it's storms or whether it's just big things that happen, we see people turn to God then and, and then soon turn away again. And the reality is that we often do the same in our lives too. We, we only come to God when we need something. Like we, we think that God is kind of like our magic genie, <laughs> that if we rub his lamp that, that he'll give us what we want who got three wishes, and uh, if we go to him in prayer, then, man, he'll do what we ask him to do, all right? But that's not how prayer works. It's not how God works. So no matter what is going on in our life, we have a new job, we're suffering, everything is going well, no matter what, we need to go to God in prayer. James's words here in chapter 5, verse 13, almost remind me of Paul's words that we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, no matter what you are going through, no matter what you are facing, We need to go to God in prayer. No matter what's happening or what's not happening, we should be on our knees in prayer or we should be singing praises to God. No matter what's happening, we should be praying. Richard Foster writes in his book, Celebration of Disciplines, he says this. He says, to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue in which God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, then we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic in our life. You see, prayer isn't about us giving our wish list to God. 
Prayer isn't about us telling God what he needs to do for us as if somehow our knowledge and our wisdom can even begin to compare to that of the creator, the sustainer of the universe, the beginning and end of everything, God Almighty. You see, prayer is about, uh, is about us being transformed, not about us transforming God. Prayer is about us having our thinking transformed to be in line with God's thinking. Prayer is about us having our wills transformed into God's will. It's about us having our desires changed and transformed into God's desires. It's about our love being transformed to be in line with God's love. It's not about us transforming God, but it's about him transforming us. It's about him changing us. Prayer is all about God transforming us. So, no matter what, you fill in your blank. Whatever is going on in your life right now, no matter what you are facing, no matter what you're suffering through, no matter what joys you have, you should be going to God in prayer. Prayer needs to be a central part of your life daily. You know, we often say, man, I need to make time for this or that, right? You ever said that before? I need to make time to do this. I need to make time to uh, spend with my kids. I need to make time to play more golf. I need to make time to do this or that. Well, guys, guess what? You can't make a single second more. You can't make any more time. All we can do is take the time that we've been given. You can't make any more. You can't stretch it out. You can't fill it full. You can't do anything else but take the time that you've been given. So we, as followers of Jesus, need to take time daily to spend in prayer with God. Jesus, all throughout his life, took time to spend in prayer with God. Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, took time often to pray. He would get up early in the morning when everyone else was still asleep, and he would go out by himself and spend in prayer. He would send off the people so that he could stay late and pray on the mountain. He would go off a little bit further into the garden to pray. Jesus shows us the importance of taking time daily to go to God in prayer. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4 about prayer. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul says here in Philippians, no matter what, no matter what was going on in your life, you need to be rejoicing. Right? He doesn't give any exceptions. Right? He doesn't say, well, if everything's going your way, then rejoice. Uh, if, you're, if you've got a lot of money, then rejoice. If, uh, if you got that promotion, then rejoice. Now Paul says, rejoice always. He says, do not be anxious about some things. No, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Right? He doesn't give any exceptions here. He doesn't say, well, if you've had a really long week, then you can be anxious. <laughs> he doesn't say, man, if, if you know, those kids that you've got in your class have been trouble, uh, th- then you can be anxious. right? Or, or the jobs aren't lining up like they're supposed to, then you can be anxious about that. No, no he says, be anxious about nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. But instead of being anxious, instead of worrying about things, what does Paul tell us to do? Carry everything to God in prayer. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Friends, no matter what, we need to take time daily to go to God in prayer. Now, I think it's important to point this out here. Paul does not tell us, he does not give us a promise of God that our situation and our circumstances will change. He doesn't. He doesn't say, carry everything to God and he will stop whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is you're facing uh, he, he doesn't say that this circumstance is going to change. He doesn't. We've seen through James that that's not what God promises us. He promises us, though, that even if our circumstances don't change, that God will change us. Right? We are to have joy in the face of trials, James chapter 1. Because we know that these trials will produce perseverance in our faith. And and when perseverance in our faith has run its course, then we'll be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. God doesn't promise to change our circumstances, but he promises to change us. And, And he promises us that along with transformation in our faith and in our hearts, he promises us his peace. Peace that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Peace in the midst of whatever it is that we're facing and suffering and going through. Whatever our circumstances are, he promises us peace that transcends all understanding. Peace that will guard our hearts and our minds, even if our circumstances stay the same. Even if our circumstances get worse. So pray no matter what. Pray, no matter what. No matter what you're going through, take time daily to spend with God in prayer so that God can change you. For me, beside 
my bed, I have my Bible and I have a notebook. And I try to take time every morning to spend in God's word, reading and studying. And I try to take time to spend in prayer. In my notebook, not only do I do some journaling with some of the reading that I'm doing from scripture, but also have some lists in there, some prayer lists. And on my prayer list, at the very top, I have my family. I have my wife and my son, and I pray for them daily. And then I have a list of people who are far from Jesus that I pray for by name. I pray that God would, would, would draw them to himself and that God would, would give me the opportunities to, to build relationships with them and to share the gospel with them. On my, my list of, of things to pray for, I have people who are hurting physically and spiritually. And I pray for them by name. I pray for our church. I pray for God to open up opportunities and God to use us to share his gospel here in our community. And then I have some families and some marriages that I pray for by name. And, and those lists help me to remember who and what I need to pray for. Take time daily and, and pray. Take time daily and spend in prayer, no matter what is going on in your life, whether things are great or things are a disaster, no matter if everything is falling apart or everything is working right, take time every day to spend with God in prayer so that God can change and transform you. Are you sick? Pray. Are you going through trouble? Pray. Is everything going well? Pray. No matter what, pray. Look at verse 14 of what James tells us next. He continues on this line of, of, of thinking. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If, any, uh, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So James says here, are you sick? Then, then call on the elders to pray over you. Now, there are two Greek words that James uses here, two different Greek words that James uses here. If you'll remember, what we have in the Bible, in this English translation, is a translation. It's a, a reliable, accurate copy of the original text, but the original text uh, is written in a different language. Okay? The Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language, and the New Testament was written in Greek. And in Greek and in Hebrew, oftentimes they would use different words to describe the same thing. Like, like we would just say love, right? And the Greeks actually had seven different words that they used for love, four that we see in the, the New Testament. But we just say love, right? That's kind of a catch-all to us. But they would have descriptions about that, right? But here we have the word sick, a couple of different times. But James uses two different Greek words. The first word that he uses there in verse 14 means to be sick or to be weak. And then in verse 15, it means to be weary or fatigued. Now, 
James here, when we look at the context of what James is talking about in the rest of the verses, is talking about somebody who is spiritually weak or weary or sick. Weak of faith. Which makes a lot of sense as James calls us to confess our sins to one another. So James is talking about those who are sick because of sin so that we can be spiritually healed. So, does that mean that if we are physically sick, that we shouldn't ask people to pray for us? No, remember James has already told us no matter what's going on, we need to be in prayer, right? No matter what, we need to uh, have people pray for us, and we need to be going to God in prayer. But what James is discussing here is the spiritual sickness that comes with sin. So he tells us to call on the elders of the church to pray over us and anoint us with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, that that may sound kind of strange to us today, but for James's first readers, they would have heard this and and they would have known that James is not giving out some uh, medical advice uh, for healing to take place, but he would be referencing the common practice of that time for using oil as a means of bestowing honor and refreshment to someone. And so he says, if you are spiritually sick, call the elders of the church to pray over you. The early church elders were instructed and by Paul in 1 Thessalonians to encourage the timid to help the weak. Um, So, with that being said, this is what James is talking about and not talking about. So does that mean, again, that if we are physically sick, that we shouldn't call the elders or anyone else to pray over us? (laughs) By no means. We should. We should. Because no matter what, is going on in our life. We should be going to God in prayer. We should be praying without ceasing. We should be confessing our sins to one another so that spiritual healing can happen in our life. Now, the spiritual healing can only happen as far as the confession of our sins goes. When we hold back whether it's sin, whether it's a need, whether it's whatever else is going on in our life, when we hold those things back, uh, uh, then we uh, are holding back the extent to which healing can take place in our life. Now, it's kind of weird. It's kind of odd. It's kind of difficult for us to confess our sins to each other. And and that's because sin and Satan want it to be difficult. Because it's only through confession that healing can begin to happen spiritually. And so sin wants us to be isolated. Satan wants us to be isolated. We see this in the garden, right? When Adam and Eve disobeyed God and God came looking for them, not only had they separated themselves from God, and hid themselves because of their shame. But then we see the separation that began to happen amongst them, in between each other. Right? They started blaming and pointing fingers. And we've done the same. Right? We do the same. 
But the reality is that healing from sin can only happen when we begin to confess, when we begin to own up to what we have done. That's why James tells us to confess our sins to one another. If you had a cut on your leg that got infected, and instead of going to the doctor and allowing them to treat that cut, maybe with antibiotics, maybe even cutting out some more of that infection so that your body could heal. If instead we just said, you know what, I'm just going to put my long socks on and I'm going to put my long pants on and cover it up, would that fix the infection in our leg? It wouldn't, would it? It'd probably just spread through the rest of our body and could possibly lose our leg or even kill us. Friends, the reality is that we have an affection in our life that is sin. And when we just try to cover it up and we don't allow healing to start to take place, we don't allow Jesus to cut it out through the sacrifice that he's made for us on the cross, then it begins to spread and affect our whole body. Friends, if you've never allowed Jesus to put to death your old life of sin, man, I, I want you to know today that you can. You can come today and repent and meet him in baptism and have your sins washed away. But friends, even after we've done that, we still need to take our antibiotic treatment, don't we? Even after the surgeon has done the work, we, we still have a treatment of antibiotics that needs to take place. And, and we still need the Holy Spirit working in our life to sanctify us. Right? God, through Jesus, has justified us, and the Holy Spirit works to sanctify us. So Jesus makes us holy, and the Holy Spirit begins to make us holy. <laughs> he begins to change the outside of what Jesus has already changed on the inside. We, we, we need not only the surgery to remove the sin, but we also need the antibiotics of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. And not only do we need Jesus to forgive us and the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, but we also need each other to confess to, to hold accountable. Jesus forgives us, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, and our brothers and sisters, they hold us accountable. This is the healing that we need in our lives. This is the healing that we need in our church. This is the healing that we need in our community, in our country, in our world. Here at Journey Church, we say this. We say that we build strong relationships with each other, walking side by side through the messiness of life with prayer and accountability and encouragement. Man, we see this through the early church. The early church, they prayed together. In fact, they devoted themselves to prayer. They prayed together. They prayed for and with each other. And here at Journey Church, we connect with each other for prayer, accountability, and encouragement, mainly in life groups. Man, life groups are where we connect 
We're with other followers of Jesus. Life groups are the, the, the places where we are able to pray with and for one another. But again, the spiritual healing that takes place will only take place as much as you will allow it to. As much as you will confess the need and the sin. So it's up to you what you decide to do with this time together in life groups. But life groups are where we are able to connect with each other and start praying with and for each other. Confess your sins and be held accountable and be encouraged. Because not only do we need Jesus to forgive us, not only do we need the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, but we need each other to be held accountable. As James says, to confess our sins to, so that we can have healing happen in our life. James then gives us an example of what a, a powerful and effective prayer looks like. Look at verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. So James says here the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It can accomplish much. And then he gives us this example of Elijah. In 1 Kings chapter 17 18, we see Elijah go to the king of Israel, Ahab. Now, Ahab had provoked God more than all the other kings that had come before him. And if you've ever read through 1 Kings, there were some pretty bad kings that came after David and Solomon. They had done some pretty horrendous things, and Ahab had done more than all of them. He had provoked God more than all of the rest of them. And so Elijah comes to Ahab to call him and the rest of Israel out against their sin and he prays that it would not rain for three, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And, and during that time, God sends Elijah to go off to the east and go to the people away from the Israelites. And he actually goes to a Samaritan woman and ends up uh, praying uh, because her son had died and raises her son back to life. And, and then uh, Elijah prays again and it rains again. And all of this is building up to Elijah standing up for God against all of these prophets that had come against them. Now James says, look, Elijah prayed for it to stop raining and it didn't rain. But he said, Elijah wasn't anything special. He's just like you and me. He's just like us. There wasn't anything special about Elijah, but there was something special about who he was praying to. And he prayed earnestly, and he prayed for God's will to be done. You see, it wasn't just about stopping the rain, but it was about showing that God was the one true God to the people of Israel who had forgotten. It was about showing that God was in control to the people of Israel and to Ahab because they had turned their backs on the one that had brought them out of Egypt. They had turned their backs on the king of kings. 
and the Lord of Lords. And so Elijah's prayer was about reminding the people who God is. Friends, the effective prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. So pray, pray, pray. If you're suffering, when you're cheerful, when you're weak, when you're strong, pray. Confess your sins to God and confess your sins to one another because the end is worth the effort. Look at these last verses of James. Verse 19, James says, Brothers and sisters, is one of, if, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sin. Friends, if we are able to turn someone who is far from Jesus to Jesus, someone who is dead in their sins to come to life through Jesus. This is what it's all about. Man, here at Journey Church, we say that we want to help everyone. And when we say everyone, we mean anyone. No matter what color their skin is, no matter what their background is, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, when we say everyone, we mean anyone, even you and me. We want to help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus. We say that we do that by all of us going out and building authentic relationships with the lost at our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, at our schools, at the places that we go, in our community and around the world, so that we can share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them. Because it's the gospel that changes everything for us and for them. The goal of an effective prayer the goal of us praying for and with others, the goal of us holding uh, accountable the weak and the weary is, is to see those people turn from sin and turn back to God. But accountability, sharing the gospel, only happens in the context of relationship. So that's why we say we want all of us to go out and to build authentic relationships so that in those relationships, those people see us being patient, even in suffering, so that others can see through those relationships that we are quick to listen and not quick to become angry, so they can observe us trusting in God and not in the things that won't last so they can see us living out our wisdom that we're trusting in God and that we are doers of the word. So they see us that we are enduring trials and sufferings and hardships so that others see the way that we live and the way that we act and the way that we speak is different. And so that others can see our love and care for them because through those relationships, and through our example, God will open up doors for us to share 
the gospel with them. This is our end. This is our goal. This is our focus. This is our hope. This is our mission. That we would follow Jesus and that we would lead others to do the same. That's what it's all about. We have been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus at baptism so that we can do the good work of pointing others to Jesus. So that through our examples, they may see what it looks like to follow Jesus. So that those who are lost that live next door to us, those who are far from Jesus in our families, those who don't know Jesus that work with us, those that are lost in our community may come to know, to see the grace that has been given so that they too can be healed from their sins through Jesus as we have been. So, as we come to the end of this message, as we come to the end of our study of James, let me ask you some questions. Are you praying no matter what's going on? Are you praising God no matter what's happening in your life? Are you being patient in suffering? Are you trusting in God and his word or are you trusting in things that won't last? Are you showing your wisdom, this wisdom from God, or are you showing this wisdom from men? Are you taming your tongue? Are you being a doer of the word? Are you having joy even in suffering? Are you putting your faith into action? And lastly, who are you reaching? Who are you sharing the gospel with? Who are you turning away from their sins? If it's no one, then what's stopping you? Friends, if you are here and you are far from Jesus, I want you to know that you can come and be forgiven and healed today. Come and put your trust in Jesus. Come and repent of your sins and meet him in baptism. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to live the life that you and I can't, perfect, and to die the death that you and I deserve on the cross so that we can have our sins forgiven and healed. Won't you come today? Come and meet him in baptism, repenting of those sins and making him not only your Savior, but the Lord of your life. And if you're ready to do that, or if you want to talk about what that means, I'm going to be out in the lobby today. Come and talk with me or call or text me anytime. I'd love to have that conversation with you. Friends, no matter what, no matter what's going on in your life, let's carry it to God in prayer. Will you pray with me now? Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the example that he gave us in prayer. That he regularly took time to spend in prayer. Whether it was early in the morning or late in the evening or when everything else was going crazy, he would stop and get by himself to spend time praying to you.
We thank you for the example of the early church. That they devoted themselves to prayer. So Father, help us to rejoice always. Help us to be anxious about nothing. But in every situation, help us to carry our request to you with prayer and petition and thanksgiving. And Father, we thank you for the promise that you give us that even if our circumstances don't change, that you promise that you will change us. And you promise us your peace that transcends all understanding, that will guard our hearts and our minds. So Father, help us to pray. Help us to pray when things are going well, when things are difficult. Help us to come to you in prayer when things are are going right and when things are going wrong. Help us to come to you in prayer when we are in the midst of the storm or whether it's sunny outside. Father, help us to always, daily, make take time to come to you in prayer. Father, we thank you that we are able to talk with you. We thank you that because of your son Jesus, we are able to come into your throne room. Even though we are not worthy, that Father, we can come to you and lift up our requests to you. Father, would you use us to point others to the spiritual healing that is only available through your son, Jesus. Help us to share with them the the good news that your son, Jesus, has come and died for us. Help us to help everyone discover their relationship with you. Father, we thank you for this constant reminder that you give us of communion to help us to remember and focus. Father, we ask all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.